The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. And Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm and has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones, and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary remained with her about three months, and then returned to her home. The Gospel of the Lord. This morning with the kids is a lot of fun because it was their first all-school mass, their first mass together as a group. And so just kind of walking them through mass and having everyone there was, was a great joy. But also to, to highlight and explain the assumption. Like we hear about this today, like that's what we're celebrating, the assumption. But there's lots of other shins, you know, like there's the ascension and there's the visitation and there's the Annunciation, and there's the Immaculate Conception. Like, there's all these shins, and it's like, which one are we dealing with right now? So we talked about that. And the assumption, as we can recall, is Mary being assumed into heaven, body and soul, at the end of her earthly life. So different Marian scholars and theologians will get into it about, was there a door mission? Did she die? Did she not? And basically, what they've come to the conclusion is that she was assumed into heaven, body and soul, at the end of this life. That's the best they've got. But why was she assumed into heaven? Why was Mary given this particular gift? Why was she different than what everyone else has ever experienced? And it's because of who she is. It's, It's actually deeper than that, and it has to do with some of the other major teachings about Mary. We talked a little bit about the fact that she's the mother of God, that that's probably not something that we need to debate, or we need to argue a lot about, or we need to convince a lot of people about. Because if any woman who carries a child and gives birth to that child in any way, shape, or form, they are by so de facto a mother. 
Mary carries the baby Jesus, gives birth to him, ipso facto, mother of God. So we got through that one pretty easily. But then it's like, okay, after she gives birth, she keeps this virginity. And I was like, I'm not going to get into that with the little kids. We'll just bypass that for right now. So we'll bypass it again with the adults for right now. But that, that's important. But it's really her immaculate conception that puts all of this into motion. The fact that Mary, when she is conceived, is conceived without original sin. So then I asked everyone, how many of us have original sin in here? I said, we should all probably raise our hands because we all have it, so good luck. Our baptism has fixed that, but we still have the effects of original sin. So Mary, in God's plan, created and set her apart so that she would be without those effects so that she could carry the Son of God inside of her. And as one of my theology professor said, not explode. Because if you have like an ounce of sin, right, and Jesus enters into you, you go boom, right? I'm like, well, I've never seen anyone explode during communion. But the fact is that she's set apart, and then some people get in the argument about, well, does that mean she didn't have free will? No, she did, but because there's nothing impeding her relationship with God, she has no reason to not want to say yes to him. So, one of the effects that we all will get to experience, hooray, of original sin is death. Right? That's, that's inevitable. Mary, because she's freed from that, she's, she's set aside, doesn't take on, doesn't receive that punishment that's given to us from Adam and Eve. So that's why she's assumed. And yet, what do we hear today? We hear the story of the visitation. Why? Because... People would argue, well, there's nothing in Scripture that talks about her being assumed. We could make a strong case to say that the first reading we heard in Revelation about the woman and the stars and everything could be an image of Mary. Again, this is widely accepted, which is why it's a teaching and a dogma of the church. But let's hone in on the visitation for a second. There's a lot here that can actually really help us. So Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, Upon meeting, Elizabeth hears Mary's greeting, and who leaps in her womb? John the Baptist. So right there, we have a whole slew of things to consider. One, that life in the womb is there from the moment of conception, so that's a, a good pro-life aid, but also that that life, that child, acknowledges the presence of God who is in Mary, which means Mary is the mother, so that's helpful for that. But also, I love this line. It just kind of hit me tonight. Elizabeth says, And how does this happen to me that the mother of my Lord... So if anybody ever wants to argue with anyone about women aren't mothers until after they've given birth, women, you are mothers at the moment a child is conceived. And men, you are fathers at the moment a child is conceived. End of story. So we get these today, we get this, but what does Mary do? She gets all of this acknowledgement, all of this greeting, and what does she say? My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. So we get the reminder that Mary didn't, Mary's not without the need of a Savior. 
just because she's the mother of God, she still needed Jesus as her Savior. Look back at my son. That's really at the heart of it. So we celebrate the assumption today, the fact that she is given this amazing gift of being assumed body and soul into heaven, which is what we hope for for ourselves. It's what we pray for. It's why she's a great model for us. When we die, our souls are going to separate from our bodies, but we hope for that one day when the bodies and the souls are reunited. So Mary gives us a prefigurement of what will come. But she points everything back to her son. She doesn't actually want it to be about her. So again, back to the point of why do you worship Mary? Well, we give honor to Mary. We venerate Mary. I'm not going to deny that. There's three words I, I taught the 5.30 p.m. mass crew. There's some fun Latin words. Hopefully you'll, you'll get them. So the first word is dulia. Say dulia. That's a fun word, right? Sounds kind of cool. Dulia is a form of veneration, a form of honor that we give to the saints, right? Here are people who have lived, who have died, who have striven to, to be close to Christ. Like, yeah, I need examples like that in my life. I need role models. I need mentors. That's the saints. So we give them dulia. We give them reverence. We give them honor. Right? There's another word called latria. Say latria. That's a fun word, right? That's worship and devotion and honor and veneration that we give to God. So it's a whole different type of word. Dulia latria. Now, nothing alike. They look nothing alike. You spell them nothing alike. They're totally different because saints are different from God. So what about Mary? What does she get? It's super clever. Ready? It's hyperdulia. <laughs> so it's dulia on steroids. Check. Right? Because she's still human. She's still like us, but she's the mother of God. She's a little different. Therefore, that veneration, that honor is a little different. Um, but, but back to the point that everything she does is to get us to look back at her son. Yes, we, we give honor to the fact that she receives this gift today in the assumption, but that's not possible without her being the mother. That is not possible without her immaculate conception. And this is something I read the other day in my, my St. Joseph consecration. Think about this. If Mary as the mother of God, is literally carrying the child Jesus, then her visitation to Elizabeth is like the first procession, the first Eucharistic procession in a certain sense. The fact that Joseph took his family to Jerusalem was like a Eucharistic procession. When they fled into Egypt, was like a Eucharistic procession. Like, how cool is that? And for us, as Catholics, to have the ability to receive the gift of God in the Eucharist, which again, not a symbol, not an idea, not a gesture, but the actual body and blood. Jesus says, take this, all of you, eat of this. This is my body. So when we 
receive communion, which is a gift, it's not a right, when we receive communion as a gift in a proper state of grace, no mortal sins, we become living, walking tabernacles. And in a sense, we take a Eucharistic procession with us when we leave the Mass, when we leave church. These are things for us to pray about and consider. And it's all thanks to Mary, the one who started it all, the one who, who gave us this gift. But it's, it's also not about her. And so I left the kids with, with this concept, this idea that it's not going to be about us at the end of the day, but it's going to be about God. So how do we, through our lives and in our lives, in what we do, how we live, how we choose to act, how do we redirect people back to Jesus like Mary does? Will we be able to say at some point in our lives, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. This is truly something we should be able to say about ourselves even, that my soul proclaims the greatness of God. So that's our gift today. We can give this honor to Mary, of course, but she's just going to push it back to Jesus. Doesn't mean we don't honor her. It doesn't mean we ignore her. It doesn't mean we only have to go to God. But we have these great models and examples, and Mary is one of them for us. And she actually, in fact, becomes our heavenly mother. And when we're in need, we're in trouble, who doesn't go to their mom? And a good mom, of course she's going to take that to her son. So we can ask for her intercession. We can plead for her to take something to the Lord and still beg it to Jesus as well. But we know that she's receiving perfectly the heaven reward, the one that we are awaiting.